Ladies and gentlemen, we are back for episode four. This week, we have the honor and pleasure of having Abba Kohn, uh, LMHC. I know Abba for a little while, and I would say to call him a therapist is a misnomer. Abba is literally a lifesaver. Um, he's very different than what you see out there. He really cares about his patients. Um, what I've seen people do in his office in a very short period of time is absolutely nothing short of magic. Um, and I really feel honored to have someone of his talent, breed, and level on our show. So, Abba, thank you so much for joining. You're most welcome. I was really not expecting that kind of introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little speechless. <laughs> you know, in, in general, if mix us schmuck, we shall have them a fun of, right? But this is really more for the, I should have done it before you're on the line, right? Yeah. It's really more for yeah. the listeners than it is yeah. for you. <laughs> Never give you that kind of praise in front of your face. <laughs> Forget I said it. <laughs> I will. <laughs> okay, good. So, I mean, obviously you're a mental health counselor. You're very established. You've got a ton of experience. Um, can you maybe tell us like a drop about your practice and like what you do? So um, a lot of my work is um, oriented towards um, families and um, difficult family dynamics. I do a lot of work with couples, um, couples that, you know, may have been struggling for, you know, for a long period of time. Um, I do a lot of parenting work. It's mostly it's, I find it's, it's centered on family, family interactions, relationships, and a lot of the struggles that people face in, uh, you know, in that regard. Yeah, I think that was my, my understanding of what you do. And uh, that, that's not easy work to do. You know, people coming in really, uh, people go through their own issues with one thing, but when it's, you know, family related or family breaking apart or when there are children involved, it's really not easy work. So hats off to you. Thank you, thank you. All right, so enough of the puffery and, and all the fluff that I've thrown in here. Um, yes. the, pur the purpose of this podcast in general, um, as you know, I'm a divorce attorney and we, we try, you know, a lot of times clients come to me with questions that are inappropriate. Um, and I want to, you know, first of all, put them in the right place, you know, educate some of my listeners who are in the, you know, soon to be or recently divorced or, you know, less recently divorced, but divorced community. Um, and I, I'd like, to, you know, there are a lot of people who discuss the issues that are easy to discuss. And I, I've tried to pick out guests in general that are, both have the knowledge and the courage to discuss topics that really are taboo for the most part in our community. Nobody wants to look at, nobody wants to open up to. Um, one of the things that, um, you know, I know we've talked a little bit about over time is, you know, sociologically speaking, and we're not really necessarily even talking about um, within our community or our time. I think, you know, going all the way back to the beginning of time, you know, women tend to have a softer personality, a softer demeanor, um, you know, and when a situation comes up that is, you know, a home falls apart, both spouses very often, unfortunately, even though they shouldn't be, are looking to play the blame game. And I think when a woman raises her hand and says, I've been abused physically, or he's bipolar, or he's an addict, or whatever it might be, all of a sudden, she's going to get all the community support. Um, and a man who's in the situation where, in fact, you know, fault is a very murky word because in reality, I don't believe in divorce. There's, there's fault per se, even if one person's characteristics or behaviors led to, um, led them to this arena, 
led them to this point where they really had no option other than to get divorced. But each person has to look at themselves. But what happens is within the community, there is this concept of like fault. And what can a man do when a, a woman basically says this now, you know, his children look at him differently. He, his own parents look at him differently. Certainly his ex-in-laws look at him differently. People, you know, who sat next to him in, you know, in shul or church or, you know, wherever for many, many years. Um, so what can a man possibly do in this kind of situation? It's harrowing. That's quite a, uh, a big uh, question you asked there, Jacob. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I mean, let me start off by saying that it's, it's this is, I think, as you mentioned, there's a very broad issue and it cuts through, um, I think, every layer in our, in our society. Um, you know, it's not just communal, it's, it's, it's broader, you know, in terms of the society understanding and perceptions. I think um, from your experience as a lawyer, I'm sure you've seen this, you know, in the court system, and even with, uh, you know, with law enforcement, um, you know, and, and, and I've certainly seen it on, on all those different levels. And I think, um, you know, we, we can't underestimate, first of all, the shift that has taken place over the last, oh, I don't even know uh, how many decades in terms of our understanding and approach towards, um, towards gender and gender roles. Um, you know, you'd have to be blind not to realize how, what, what a central focus the idea of gender has been for our culture, for our society, for, for quite some time now. Now it's even coming, you know, to the fore in, 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 in almost ridiculous ways. But, uh, you know, we'll leave, we'll leave that piece alone. But just this shift. Why? <laughs> What's that? I said, Why? Why? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> Depends how many feathers you want to ruffle here, Jacob. <laughs> the sky's the limit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's a topic I think for a whole nother a whole nother conversation. But let, let's just leave it, you know, to typical male and female gender roles and the shift that they've undergone. And obviously, there's positive, you know. Um, if you look back, you know, to the, you know, to the, uh, I guess, the attitude of the 1940s, 50s, and prior to that, um, that women really, you know, at a certain point, women weren't allowed to vote. Women were looked down on. Women were, you know, uh, treated in many regards as second-class citizens. Um, and the women's liberation movement has been a powerful force uh, in terms of um, giving uh, equal rights and equal uh, position to women, you know, as they should have. You know, uh, you know, at all levels our, uh, in our society, whether that's in, you know in, in the uh, in the court system, um, whether that's in terms of business and opportunities, in terms of employment, and in terms of that, it's been a tremendous you know tremendous boon for for women and for our society. But on the other hand, what I've seen as a a, a tremendous downside is you know as with you know I think any large social movement, um, it's it's usually cut too broadly. Like the, you know, our society isn't very good with, um, you know, with, with, with nuance. So that when there's a shift, the shift happens in much too broad a way. So for example, with this, you know, with the gender roles, I think, you know, along with all of the opportunity that has been now afforded to women, there's also been introduced this um, assumed, this assumption that, women are now the same as men. That women sh could be, and not only could be, should be doing the same things that men do. 
And that is so unfortunate all around because, you know, if, if you look at any of the, any of the, 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 um, the studies that are out there, you see that, that examine gender roles in, in a very open and honest way. And, and, and yep, nowadays that's almost impossible to do this kind of work. But when, back when this work was, was, was permitted and, types, and those types of gender um, studies, you know, that looked at gender differences were allowed and encouraged, you, you just dive into the literature and, and, and it's overwhelming when you see that there are tremendous measurable gender differences as, as there should be. Um, and, and, and a lot of these things are, are, are being swept under the rug, disregarded, uh, rejected. And, and it's really a shame because both men and women have so much to bring to the table in terms of their own uniqueness and their own unique perspective on the world and their own you know, strengths and, you know, and weaknesses. And men and women both have strengths, both have weaknesses. But to pretend that they're, you know, it, it, that it's all just um, society, you know, uh, the hierarchy or patriarchy or whatever you want to call it is what's telling you that there are gender differences. That's just, that's just pure baloney. Men and women are very different. And it's, you know, it's high time we recognized that um, each of them has a role to play and men should be allowed to be men and women should be allowed to be women. Um, and, 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 and to get past the, 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 the terrible mistake of thinking that, that, that women in order to, to be accepted and to be taken seriously need to act like men or to be more like men. I think that's, that's, a, that's a horrific thing to, to put on women. And I think that idea alone has probably contributed to more um, in a broader sense. It's, you know, it's, 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 we're talking about broad cultural um, societal understandings that alone has contributed to so many, so much dysfunction. Um, that, you know, it's it, it's really hard to, you know, to get an estimate on it. And just by way of illustration, I, I just love this this story illustrates this so beautifully. Um, um, what, the other, actually, we have to get into the other piece of it. The other, you know, I think one of the um, one of the results of, of 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 lifting women up, you know, in 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 some of these ways. Um, and to empowering women um, has also been to disempower men and to and to take a negative skew on men and the masculine. Um, you know, I think uh, it, it it goes without saying that being you know a a male and being a specifically a white male in in today's day and age is uh, is more of a handicap than it is a uh, an advantage. Um, so um, you know, we didn't really get to talk about that you know enough, but. Uh, you know, in, in terms of the, the gender uh, misinformation and, and confusion that our society is, is dealing with right now, I just have to share this one story as, you know, I started to say, um, I had a client, uh, actually a couple I was working with, and um, they were talking about uh, some parenting issues and, 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 they, and, they, and they were asking me what books I, 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 I would suggest, to, you know, to, to, uh, you know, to read with their kids. I forget the exact issue we were talking about, and I mentioned uh, maybe the Berenstain Bears, and happened to be a from you know from you know seriously from couple, and uh, Hasidic couple in fact, and um, I mentioned Berenstain Bears. I thought you know it was a wonderful series. You talk about all sorts of you know uh, issues that come up in terms of parenting and child raising, and the mother turned to me, and I'll never forget this, and she said, um, I "I'm not so comfortable with the Berenstain Bears," and I was thinking you know. I, I, <laughs> You know, of all the books not to be comfortable with, like Berenstain Bears, like what, what could you possibly, 
what could possibly be wrong with Berenstein Bears? And she turned to me and said, and I'll never forget what she said. She said, in the Berenstein Bears, the, the father bear is always made to look like an idiot. And I stopped and I thought for a second, I said, you know what, you're right. <laughs> wow. And I was thinking about that. And you know what? And, and, and I don't know if this happened before that or, 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 or subsequently, someone made the comment, and this is also true, that if you look at all of the, almost all of the popular sitcoms and TV programs, and you look at the father figure, he's almost always made to look like an idiot. Was, everybody cool. Loves Raymond, I think, was popular at the time. Um, you have uh, Married with Children was, I think, a big uh, you know, show that was uh, you know, popular then. Go one by one, the father figure is never made to look like a competent, reliable, strong father figure. True. And I thought that was, you know, amazing. And this really speaks to our societal understanding of an attitude, really, towards, towards men, towards women, towards mothers, and towards fathers. And how awful it is to... to bring down fathers in that way to tarnish the image of the strong, competent, reliable, loving, devoted father. I think that's always the question with like trying to offset some form of prejudice and like swinging the pendulum back. When does it, when does it go too far? And I think the answer to that question is the question is never asked. There's never a question anyone worries about, right? So the pendulum just keeps swinging further and further and further and further. Right. That's, no, that's the issue. Yeah. And, and I don't think it's about a pendulum. And I think there's also part of the simplicity of, of you know, of, of general, you know, society and culture. It's not about who's better. It's not about are men better than women or women better than men. Are, it's not about that. It's just not about that. It's about how can we empower women to be the best the best people, the best mothers they can be in terms of what a mother is, the traditional motherly role of being at home with the family and raising the kids. And that's not to say that therefore a woman can't have a career. It's not to say that at all. It's not to say that a woman isn't as intelligent. It's not to say that a woman isn't as capable or as able to pursue whatever it is she wants to pursue, but it's to get the core piece correct. The core piece, a mother, a mother is supposed to be a mother. A mother has to be a mother. Her kids need her. And I think ultimately, if a woman is, I, I can't speak as a woman, but most women that I've spoken to who feel happy and um, fulfilled, there's a strong component in there about them taking their role as a mother seriously. And to yeah, reject that is awful. And one needs, in order to be a successful, you know, to have a successful career, one needn't reject one's role as a mother. I think it's also such a relevant point, especially when it comes to divorce situations, right? Because let's say, for example, there's a division of custody, right? So let's say the father has the kids two days a week, the mom has them five days a week. When the father has the kids, he's mom and dad. When the mother has the kids, she's mom and dad, yep. right? So, like, you know, I can tell you also from my own personal situation, like, can a mom play basketball with the kids? Absolutely. 
And there are plenty of women that are better athletes than men. There's no question about it. Like, can a man cook and clean? Absolutely. But for the most part, it's not natural, and the kids feel it. Yeah. Yeah. That that is definitely the case. That that you know that's definitely the case. But you know, it, it, it's just a question of where you where you um, where you set up shop, and 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 typically a and there are always exceptions, but but typically generally speaking, a woman will feel when she's able to devote herself and focus on being a mother at home with the kids, mothering, providing nurturance, she will end up feeling. I, and I've seen this fulfilled. She will end up feeling that her life is filled with meaning. And a man, on the other hand, I find that a man, not that he can't be at home. He should be at home. He does need to be able to do that, but that's not where he finds himself that he, you know, naturally gravitating towards a man naturally implicit within a man is that need to go out into the world to be the breadwinner, to be the one that goes out and accomplishes. And a man who doesn't feel that way is going, is going to suffer from that. He's going he's gonna to feel that there's something that, that he, he is missing, something very, very, very central to him as a person that's missing. Yeah. Makes and sense to me. Can't do, you know, we all, as Jung, you know, mentioned many, many years ago that we all have male and female aspects within us. Um, you know, the, a man isn't, uh, you know, 100% male. There's always the feminine aspect and a woman is never, you know, 100%, you know, uh, feminine. There's always a masculine aspect. Um, you know, Jung wrote a lot about that. And I think that that, that needs to be uh, appreciated. But that doesn't mean that, that it's an equal balance. That doesn't mean that, therefore, everything can, you know, on a dime, you know, if a society deems it so, to switch it all around. No, we're, we're kind of pre-wired that way for, for millennia. Um, you know, in, in terms of what we find to be the, 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 the core and what we find to be more on the, on the periphery. And for a man, his, 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 his approach to things as a man has to be at the core. And for a woman, her approach to things as a, as a woman and as a mother, that has to be at the core of her, uh, of her reality. And to try to switch it up is, is doing a disservice to everyone. Yeah, no, I, I think those are, not that my opinion counts, but I think those are wise, wise words. And um, I think those are things that will probably help anyone that's listening to really understand. I think more than anything else, if, I, if I'm really filtering your words, like the best way to be present and help their children. Right? If I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to crystallize in the best way I can. That, 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 yeah, that, that, uh, 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 it's hard. It's hard either way. You know, if a single parent, whether you're a, you know, a mother or a father, it's hard. And yeah, you don't have to try to be someone that you're not, but it's, but it's always good. And this is, you know, I think in general, good advice that even if there's something that you're not used to doing, like the examples, you know, you mentioned of a, a, a mother playing ball, let's say she's not used to playing ball with her kids. There's nothing wrong with expanding her, you know, uh, you know, her abilities and engaging with in, in her, uh, you know, with her kids in that manner. And similarly, a father, if a father is only used to going out and, or excuse me, earning a living, is not used to being at home and cooking meals and cleaning, okay, that's something he can expand. You know, there's nothing wrong with expanding your abilities, and it doesn't take away from who you feel yourself to be, you know, at your core. Right. Oh, it's good. 
That's very good. I mean, I, I'm I'm happy I'm happy that you brought this up because I think for divorced parents, there are probably a lot of feelings that are kind of lying dormant that will feel a certain sense of validation from your words. I, I hope so. I hope I didn't get too you know philosophical here or you know preachy or uh, you know I know I obviously as a lawyer you like to keep things practical <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I appreciate. Oh, I, I love I love when you get philosophical. Oh, great. thank you. I Only hope your listeners uh, are okay with that too. <laughs> we'll only know once it's live. That's what we'll know. Like <laughs> <laughs> get the hate mail, you know. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. By the way, if you want his home address, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but um, my house okay. just went up for sale. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, look, you know, we'll, we'll get the property records. Let me do. I, you know, I deal with this a lot, actually, finding people, you know, like when I have to serve a divorce complaint, people play all sorts of games. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, people disappear. <laughs> I know. Not I've, got, I've gotten better at finding people. Mm. Skill. <laughs> Good skill. Um, okay, so so I guess my question is, like, so so that that being said, right, so the man in general at times feeling trampled on, like, what what can he do in that situation where somebody's going around town saying like he's been physically abusive or you know he's emotionally abusive verbally abusive and he feels like he has no recourse and like everything around him is crumbling right right no i hear that's it's a difficult question and i have um i've worked with a number of um divorced men I actually ran a group for a while of uh of single fathers um, and this this came up a lot. This came up a lot. And, and you know, let me just give a little bit of, of of background. And I think this also dovetails with what I mentioned. Some of what I mentioned before about um, roles and gender roles. Um, and, and again, everything I'm saying is generalities. It doesn't apply to every single specific case. I hope you know that's appreciated here. Um, but you know, you know, I think in, in our culture, and certainly I think in a lot of other cultures. Typically, it's the the wife that is going to be more of the societal, you know, the, the, the social planner. Like if you're having a, you know, uh, a meal for Shabbos or you're getting together with others, I think most typically it'll be the, the wives that speak with each other and, and plan things. Um, and women for, you know, and this is, again, this goes back to traditional, you know, gender roles, which I think are, you know, perfectly fine. Um, women will be the more social, the more engaged socially, um, the more connected socially will be sharing more, um, um, and share and, and often sharing more of, um, their experiences and, you know, of emotional substance with each other. And I think this, again, this goes back millennia, uh, and, and, and it's, it's, it's a good thing. And even if it's not, I think that's how it is, and it should be recognized that that's how it is. So what happens often, I think, when a when there's a divorce, the man, in many ways, the husband, the father, can feel like he just lost a lot of his social network because, you know, when he was married, he was kind of relying on his wife for that piece. And and I think this this is very this is very important because now. Uh, we're talking about stepping into, you know, roles that a person is not used to. It's going to be a big, uh, for a lot of people, it might be a big learning curve here for the for the now divorced man to realize that, hey, I don't have someone planning 
my, you know, my weekends, my Shabbos meals. I don't have someone that's going to be reaching out for me, for us as a family. And now I have to learn how to do that. And just, you know, just that piece alone may end up making the, um, the father feel very isolated. And now he has to actually reach out. He has to make, you know, call, you know, his friend or, you know, uh, you know, someone from the neighborhood. Oh, by the way, what are you doing for Shabbos lunch? And, you know, that's just, you know, from his piece, just stepping up and, and realizing that now he has to take that on. And then you mentioned the other piece in terms of the, you know, um, what's being said and community, uh, broader community concerns. And, and you know, that that is a concern. I will just start with the one thing is, you know, there might be people that are uncomfortable having um, a divorce, it might be a divorced father or an, even a divorced mother over because, you know, they, that couple, even if you're not aware of it, they may be going through their own marital issues and just the prospect of, of thinking about, oh, you mean, divorce is, is an option, is a possibility. And that, you know, idea of being brought to the fore by having someone who's divorced over at their Shabbos table, that alone could be very threatening, even without, you know, getting into, you know, he said, she said, and, you know, who's right and who's wrong. All right. So just, you know, those two factors alone, I think are, are, are definitely worth, worth thinking about. Um, and then, then getting into the, so, yeah, so then getting into the, you know, he said, she said, and gossip spreading, Listen, you and I both know that there, you know, I forget what the analogy, I think the analogy was with, you know, someone who gets on top of a building, right? Someone once came, was it the Chavetz Chaim or someone who wanted to do tshuva for having spoken Lashon Har about someone that ended up, you know, going all around and, 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 and messing up this guy's life. So I think the person told them, you know, told them to take a pillow and go to the top of a large building in the, in the uh, you know, in his town and, and, and a, a feather pillow and, and open it up and shake all the feathers out which he did. And then he came back and, uh, and, and this rub, I remember it was the or someone else then told him, okay, now, now go collect the feathers. Right. <laughs> so yes, the hundred percent, you know, spreading gossip, true, not true. It's very, it can be as, as, as we all know, it can be very, very damaging and it's a really hard thing to correct. And listen, I, I think, you know, at some point, we have to, you know, cut our losses and realize that if it is out there, there's not much anyone can do about it. Um, and to 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 come to terms with the fact that you're not, you, you can't do anything about it, even if it is out there. On the other hand, you know, in specific cases, if a person really has good reason to feel like um, the person they're dealing with was misinformed and they were unfairly maligned to be able to come up with an appropriate way of addressing that. And it might mean something even as innocuous as reminding the person that, you know what, there are really two sides to every story, and I don't think you know both sides. Just bringing that awareness out there without, and I think it's, it's usually wise not to get into the details, into the nitty gritty, because then, you know, it just compounds itself because you'll have your story and she'll have her story. And then word will get out, you know, that one side is saying this, then the other side has a rebuttal and it just goes nowhere good. And no one was there when anything happened. So, you know, there really is there, there it's, 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 it's a no win situation. So I, I think in most cases, the best real approach really is to just let whoever it is know that, you know what, 
you don't know both sides. You know one side, but I assure you there was another side. And leave it at that. And to hold your head up high. You know, if a person really, if a, if a husband or a wife feels like they handle things in an above board manner, then, you know, hold your head up proudly and be proud of yourself, even if others, you know, think differently and remind yourself that they're mistaken. And, and, and the people that are intelligent and honest, there's more people out there, you know, sometimes it seems like there's too, you know, not enough people like that, but there are. And, and people, there are some, excuse me, there are, there are a lot of people that can see through things and realize a lot more than you think they do. And in any case, those are the people that you want to be dealing with. Those are the people that you want to um, draw close to you. Um, and, and those are the people that you're aiming for. You know, the people that bought you that, you know, have uh, enough, you know, a little better to do with their time than to engage in the gossip and the he said and the she said and who was right and who was wrong. Yes, and those are people you probably want to steer clear of anyway. And, and, and I, I think court, you're never going to win in the court of public opinion. You just hold your head up high. You do the right thing. Um, and, and then the other piece is, you know, with your close friends and people you trust and, and you know, they, to them you can confide and tell them and, and share with them your perspective and what's going on. Um, and, and that's also another thing that, that I think men um, in general need to do more of is to reach out to form closer relation, closer, meaningful relationships. You know, it's, it's very easy for guys to have, you know, the, uh, the ball field, you know, type relationships or the high, high and shul and kiddish club, you know, and, and, and feel good type of relationships. And that's important. That's very important, but it's also very, very important. And this is for married men as well to have um, close, significant relationships with other men. And this becomes especially important when there's, when there's a divorce, because that's, that's really, that's going to be your support system to have other men that you can turn to, um, obviously family members as well, but other men that you can turn to that can understand where you're coming from. And maybe some of them have been there before. Um, and, and to, and to build up that, you know, to have that support system in place. I really like that approach because to me, it almost sounds like when people have gone through a divorce and they're fighting, they're very much entangled with one another. So your response is almost like she's going to do whatever she's doing, you know, to move on, or he's going to do whatever he needs to do in order to move on. But like, what can I do to improve my life? You know, yeah. like if you're a woman, maybe now you have to worry about like, who's going to take your kids to shul when it's your Shabbos. You're supposed to like worry about like the rumors he's spreading, like worry about that. If you're the guy, you might have to worry about like, where are you going to eat on Chavez, right? You have all these different concerns that come up. So I, I kind of like that approach. Like, just like, you know, you know, I often tell clients, you know, religious clients, you know, the terror calls it get creases, right? When a person gets a get, it's supposed to be a full separation, right? There are all these gemaras about like, well, if there's what there's one condition that it doesn't work, there's that condition that doesn't work. So it's supposed to be a full separation between the two parties like don't worry about what they're doing um so that, i mean so that's you know I, I like your point um as you're talking actually something else came to mind which is very often when people get the when people get divorced i don't know about this until recently so let's say they're, they're a very social couple right they they're you know involved in their school and, and let's say they're a big volume stuck uh 
and they're constantly they're machnasayra. People coming to their house, they're having guests, they're having company. Now they get divorced, and the husband says, "Listen, we can't have the wife over because right, the husband of couple B says to his wife, we can't have the you know the wife over. Let's call them Ruben and Leah. Can't have Leah over because how can I do that to Ruben? The wife says, "Well, you can't have Ruben over. How can I do that to Leah?" So first of all, like this whole content in general of like picking sides to me is like very funny because it's like if you're emotionally sophisticated, I feel like listen, you can hear your friend's side, but not hold it against his wife, or you can hear your friend's side and not hold it against her husband. Whatever that happens to like the full the four walls of their house, you'll never really know. And I'm sure there's some truth to what they're sharing, but like even let's say, for example, you sign in a, like, you know, side with one, like, why would you completely damage that entire relationship when these people need you more than they ever have before? Right. This is very complicated. <laughs> I don't have to tell you. No, it's very complicated. Very complicated. And, you know, a lot is going to depend on the relationship that each of the, um, the, the now divorced um, couple had with you know with that still intact couple um and and yeah there's always going to be i guess you know more typically i guess the 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 wife will side with the wife because you know know, like i mentioned previously women are more apt to talk and to share you know you know from a more emotionally significant level um and the you know the the husbands they may not you know have shared that much so, you know, the, the husband of the intact couple may not even realize what the other guy was, was going through. That's, I think, very, very typical. So in all likelihood, they will end up siding with, you know, with the, with the wife of the divorced couple. I, I, you know, I've seen that happen many, happen many times. And I, I don't know the answer. I don't, I don't know that there is any good answer to that. I don't ha- at least I don't have one, um, you know. Other than, you know, to, to reiterate what I said before is that at some point, you know, the, if the husband of the, you know, the divorced husband feels like um, that's what's happening, if he wants to um, take the bull by the horns and call up the other husband or even the other, you know, uh, the wife or both of them as a couple and just let them know that, you know, I know you are, you know, you feel bad for my ex, etc. And that's fine. But, you know, I just want to let you know that there's a whole nother side to this. There's a whole nother side that you may not be aware of. And just to start with that. And, you know, that may lead to a, you know, a, a more of a conversation or they may, sh- they may shut him down. And, you know, he has to be prepared for that. Um, and I, yeah. I, and, and again, like I said, turn to the, I, I, I wouldn't, as hard as that may be to accept them, believe me, it is, it is hard. It's painful. It's painful, but often the best recourse is to try to find your support system, people that you feel um, can hear you and understand you that you can turn to, even if it's, you know, means uh, you're not going to have the same um, social calendar that you, you know, once had, you're not going to have those broad, you know, social experiences of being over by different, you know, know, families and different um, Shabbos tables. Um, you may not feel welcome or comfortable, or they may not feel comfortable, but to find those few people that are supportive, that are um, uh, empathic, that do can hear where you're coming from, 
and 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 it, and it is very hard, especially you know the sooner after the divorce, you know the harder it is, because passions are very um, you know very hot, and uh, uh, you know that that couple may feel like they just don't want to be in that position, like you know having you know one week you know the the you know the the wife, and the next week they're going to have the husband, and 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 who knows what each of them is going to share, and trying to pull you know that that couple in, and they again like I said they may have their own you know, marital challenges. So they may not be able to, to withstand that. Um, and, and, and I think just in general, I think cutting people a lot of slack here is really, on all sides, is really important. Divorce is, is, is awful. No matter which way you slice it, it's a major life trauma and readjustment. That's without any of the acrimony, without any of the emotional turmoil, without the financial piece, without the custody and children piece. Adding that on is it's it can be a major major trauma for people, um, and to just appreciate that that even if you feel like one person you know they're more at fault or the other is totally at fault, they're still going through a difficult time. No matter which way you slice it, unless the person is, you know, if you have to get into it, but first, unless the person is truly a socio, you know, a sociopath lechumra, they're going through a difficult time. So to you know take it easy on 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 the on the divorced couple on both sides. And then also to cut people, you know, as much as possible in the community, cut them a bit of slack because, you know, it, it's not easy to be, you know, as a couples therapist, it's not easy. And, you know, I have, a, you know, it's a 50 minute session. It's once a week. And then, you know, they, they go. If I was their friend, you know, and they were getting divorced, I, that, that's, that, that's hard, you know, and, and I was expected to have, you know, the wife at the job's table and the husband a different week. That, that, that's not so easy. Not everyone's able to, you know, not everyone's able to, to, to handle that. And they may not make a good decision and they may not make a, a fair decision and they may side with one, you know, with the wife over the husband or vice versa. And it may not be right. And it may be hurtful. And again, I, I wish I had a better answer to that, but I, you know, or better solution, but I don't. Yeah. You know, it, it's tough. I can even tell you, uh, I have friends, married friends, they're very special people. Um, there was divorce happening recently within our community. And when it first happened, they were doing just that. They were alternating between having both of them, not every Shabbos, but they were both welcome to their Shabbos table. One week they'd have one, one week they'd have the other. Good for them. That's one. If they can do that, that, that's the best. You know, if they're able to do that and keep the boundaries. And I would imagine the only way you're able to accomplish that is if you're clear on what gets discussed at the Shabbos table and what our role is. Like, meaning like, you know, I'm, I'm happy to have you here. And I want to have you here as a guest and I want to engage. But if if I or we feel like we're being pulled in in a way we're not comfortable with to be able to let you know that, you know, we, we just can't go there. You know, I, I, so, think, I think that might be part of a, of a solution here that you're looking for. So so I'll tell you something interesting. So the story kind of took a twist right now. They don't have either one of them. So I said, why don't you have either one of them? What happened? You're having both of them. So they said the things that they were discussing at the Shabbos table in front of my children, I couldn't have either one of them around. You know, like, you know, the husband was saying, there like, you, you know, they, they call me, you know, husband or wife calls me, bashes the other. I can just say, like, look, this is their process. I don't need to judge them. Let them get it all out and they can move on. But, like, you can't say these things in front of my kids. It just doesn't work. Right. You know, so that's, that's, that's another yeah. factor, too. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I, I definitely wanted to get to one of the next questions here. Um, only, you know, one of the questions I had written down that I wanted to ask you. 
Um, because it, it's such an important question. Um, and I think you're one of the few people I've really met that understands this piece and like really has a very healthy approach to it. It's a tough question. I'm, I'm going to put it in the spot and ask you anyway. Um, how long should someone wait after they get divorced to start dating? I'll tell you the short answer is until the point where they feel that they are in control of or are able to manage that need to connect with someone else and that that need is not in control of them. Interesting. It's totally, even if people aren't married, once if, if you have a breakup, you feel uh, there's a void and you are pulled to fill that void. Certainly, if you had a marriage that lasted, you know, for any length of time, you're going to feel that void terribly and you're going to be pulled in willy nilly to try to fill that void no matter what. And the more you feel pulled in, the less likely you'll be able to engage in prospective relationships with your wits about you. You're very likely to be pulled into an unhealthy relationship with a person who is not um, th that's that's inappropriate. That may not be the type of person that is uh, you know relevant for you because you feel that void so much. You feel that pull. When that pull is overwhelming, unfortunately, that's a sign that you need to work on finding peace within yourself. A relationship but I mean, like, if you have a person that's so lonely, right? How do they, how do they work through that? And like find another way to kind of uh, face that void. Uh, I mean, the typical, the typical ways, number uh, one is having good friends, having good friends, family that you can turn to develop those relationships that don't really fill that intimate space in the same way but are close enough that they provide support. Another way is activities, getting involved in things that you enjoy. And the more you find it fulfilling, the better. And the third way is being okay, learning to be okay again with yourself. Finding yourself, finding that you can, and I think this is a prerequisite for anyone, even if they weren't married, anyone that's dating, should be able to tolerate being alone. A relationship that is created on the basis of, or mostly on the basis of um, an intolerance of loneliness is not going to be the healthiest relationship. Because again, like I said, you're not going into it based on your reasoning and, and, and you know, your um, on logical goals. You're going into it based on the need, you feel compelled, you feel like you can't tolerate where you are, so you have to create a different situation. That's That doesn't have the makings of a good marriage or a good relationship. Right. A good relationship should be ideally based on wanting to give. That I feel like what I'm missing is someone to give to, someone to connect with, but not in a way that I feel like I'm compelled, I have to have it. Right. And that's in, in that in that if it's looked at in that way, the relationship can be more like a drug. It has that, you know, addictive quality to it.
And that, that's never good for a relationship. The ideal relationship is two whole people that feel good enough with themselves, right? And, and, and competent and confident enough with themselves and okay enough. I mean, obviously everyone experiences, you know, loneliness, you know, to some degree and, and it is hard, but that you feel good enough that you don't feel like, oh, I'm, I'm being pulled into this relationship because I just can't tolerate being alone. But the main drive is I want to connect with someone else. I want to experience someone else. I want to give of myself to someone else. Those, those should be the driving forces. So I would say that a person should wait until, until he's able to develop a tolerance, enough of a tolerance with being alone and to the point where he's able to feel in a real practical and substantive way his desire to give to another person. That's a sign that, that he's ready to date. And I, I mean, I'm sure you've heard, and I've, I've certainly seen story after story of people that, you know, they're, you know, divorced or whatever, they're separated and they jump in immediately to another relationship. And, and, and I've seen that. I've worked with couples like that. They're on their second marriage, their third marriage. And I think, you know, more often than not, it's because they haven't worked, you know, worked sufficiently through their own issues to the point where they felt whole enough and that they were in a position that they, from which they can engage with another um, without feeling pulled in, without feeling that they were sacrificing um, significant aspects of themselves. Interesting. I, I like the way you frame that. Thank really you. like the way that you frame Thank that. Thank you. Of course. Um, I know there are a few other things I really wanted to ask you here. Uh, I want to take all your time. Um, so, this is like a, a very tough question. I think a lot of people struggle with this. So if you are in a situation, like people hear the word shared custody, they think it means half and half. Usually, you know, shared custody means that, you know, maybe shared decision-making, but usually like the mother will get most of the time. Um, so my question is going to be in terms of like the father, what can the father do to maximize their parenting time? But I, I think it's even beyond that. Like, you know, we're all busy people whether you're a two-family house, one-family house, you're working, you're not working, everyone's busy. Like, what can we do to kind of like maximize the time that we have with our children? Um, you're saying the time that, that we're given. You're saying yeah. to try to use that time, right. Um, oh, if they wanted more time, I would take care of that. Right. I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's, outside my, uh, that's outside my domain. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you should call the emergency law firm, 516-268-7077. We'll get you the best custody situation you could ever even imagine. Even losers win with us. Sorry, yeah, no, no. So the time, the time that you do have, like what's that, you know, how can you maximize that time? Well, let me just say, I, I, the, the, when I led that, that father's group that I was talking about before, one of the main complaints that I heard is from the fathers was that all they, the only time they get to see their kids is um, Tuesday evenings and every other weekend. And, you know, I think in today, you know, today's day and age, if, if, if fathers are already, you know, you know, expected to, you know, engage with their kids and, and it's a good thing and, and you, you want, you know, that equality, then if the father's a competent father and he's looking, you know, and, he's, and he loves his kids, I don't see any reason why custody shouldn't be split. You know, all things being equal, assuming it works out scheduling wise, 
you know, give the father a chance to have that relationship with his kids. And, you know, in some of these cases, it was really, it was just so sad because, you know, again, I'm not there. I don't know both sides. That's true. But, but from what these fathers and a few, in, in a lot of these cases, what the fathers, from what the fathers were telling me, and it, it just seems so clear that the father was the more competent um, parent yet, you know, I don't want to get into too many details, but it was, it was obvious to me that in a lot of these cases, the mothers were just, you know, one case, the mother was, 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 uh, was on drugs. Um, in another case, the mother completely, she told, they had a religious family and the mother completely, um, and then, you know, when they got divorced, left religion entirely and has the kids eating at McDonald's. Like, no, no matter what you're going to say about religion, like, you, you just don't do that to kids. You don't, you know, if the kids are being raised religiously, you know, suddenly when you get divorced, even if you, you feel, you know, you know, uh, disenfranchised with religion. And believe me, there's plenty of reason for that. Um, but just to disrupt the whole, the kids, you know, lifestyles in that manner is, you don't want to do that. You want to keep things as consistent as possible for the children. So if they were going to be yeshiva, keep them going to the yeshiva. And on the other hand, on the other side also, if the kids were in public school and that's where they started and that's the type of family you had, when, when you get divorced, don't expect now suddenly to, to take the kids out of public school because you became, you found religion and you know, and stuck them into a, into a yeshiva. That's also not fair. Um, so, yeah, so if, when a parent does that, that tells me that they're really not thinking about what's in the best interest of their children, even if they feel that's okay for them. And a person can decide that that's okay for them and that can be worked on, but you still have to keep, you know, you know, the, you know, the kids a certain sense of consistency um, uh, for them. So, so in that sense, I work with fathers that were very, seemed like very consistent, very reliable, very, capable, loving, caring um, fathers, yet for whatever reason, the courts felt it was in the children's best interest to, to limit the, uh, the custody to, like I said, to, you know, Tuesdays and every other weekend. And what these fathers would have done to be with their kids, you know, half the time, at least half the time. Um, yeah, so that's my piece. So yes, Jacob, if you can, you know, help fathers who are deserving and loving and, 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 and good fathers, um, have a, a more fair custody agreement, then you'll be doing them tr a tremendous, tremendous service. Yeah, they just, they have to call me and sign a retainer. Then it's done, you know, not an <laughs> issue. <laughs> we, need, we, need more, we need more lawyers that are, are ready to really go to bat and advocate, you know, for fathers in this way. I'm talking about competent fathers. I'm talking about competent, loving, good fathers. Um, so that being said, so in terms of the times you do have, I guess a lot depends on if it's really just every other weekend and Tuesdays, I would spend the time just connecting, doing things with your kids that they enjoy. Make it about enjoying the time together and, you know, um, and, and, and engage in activities that encourage interaction, meaning not so much TV watching, not so much movies, not so much video games. Um, to encourage doing things together, whether it's going to a ball game, whether it's playing sports together, whether it's playing card games or board games, any activity that your children enjoy, learn to enjoy it and learn to enjoy it with them. I love it. I love it. Abba, thank you very, very much for your time. This you has been amazing. Welcome, Jacob. All right. I, I'm looking forward to having your words help a lot of people. Okay. I hope so. All right. Thanks so much. Take care. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.